join me on my perch at the far end of the bar. Good evening, Tina. Um, I've, I've heard from the brewery and uh, has obviously been in situ now as the landlord of the Rat and Thistle for a little while. Yes. Um, and finally got my welcome pack. Ah. Uh, so a very exciting uh, bundle that arrived. I got uh, the following. A ledger book with R and T uh, uh, initialised on it. So that's kind of them, isn't it? So I can keep the books in order. Um, a voucher for Greg's, uh, some beer mats, and stale pork scratching. So I feel really valued at this point. And, nice. Uh, welcomed along to be part of the um, brewery team uh, that own the Rat and Thistle. Now, this, what a lovely this, thing for them to do. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I mean, God bless the breweries, uh, mm. who I understand are on their knees these yes. days. That explains the paucity of the welcome pack. See, when I first started going into pubs as a young man, mm. as opposed to hanging around outside, hoping that someone would buy me a drink, when I first started to go into pubs, um, a number of things struck me. Uh, even in those days, the paucity of the catering was mm. noticeable, even to a young spotty man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said curly sandwiches? The curly sandwich, occasionally a roll. Right. Under a big glass dome thing. Mm. A glass cloche, as I understand the, the French. Mind thing. you, I think we're heading back to the point where we'd be grateful for a curly sandwich under a glass dome. Wouldn't we ever? <laughs> Wouldn't we ever? The way things are going in this country. Good God. When I were a lad. <laughs> <laughs> but stack-wise, uh, pubs were not very good. I mean, now nowadays, the only way a pub can really... There are very, very few drinking pubs left. The only way pubs can keep going is by being a gastro pub, being a food mm. pub. You know, you, you've got to have, and you've got to have a good, good menu. Prices going up, mm. people are going down. Me. Yeah, it is difficult times. But just to go back, as I said, when when pubs were more drinking pubs than anything else, and and the only thing on offer was a curly sandwich, a, a cheese and onion roll. Uh, uh, there were a few boxes of crisps yep. behind the bar. Smith's um, Salt and Shake. There you go. Smith's Crisps, Golden Wonder. Mm -hmm. Nice. Here we go. This is the local radio bit now. <laughs> Let's remember <laughs> Old Sweets and the names of crisps long what, gone. What are the classic Old Sweets that always come up in this conversation? I've forgotten Butterscotch. Them. No, like the... Um, Peanut brittle. The different coloured ones. <laughs> the different... Humbug. In a packet. No, in a packet. There's like a... You know, there's the cliched packet of sweets... That always gets brought up at this, uh, Love at this hearts? juncture. No, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> so, okay. Obviously not that memorable. Anyway, keep going. No, not, not so memorable <laughs> for me. But but pub snacks-wise, they... Uh, and whilst we're going on flavours of crisps... <laughs> Sorry, I was overwhelmed with the the urge to shout razzle at that point, but that's something that's not sweet. So that's something very different. <laughs> so carry on. Sorry. <laughs> um... I've lost my place now. What, yeah. what, I was talking about crisps. Yeah, Important right. things in life. For God's sake, pull yourself together. What's wrong with you? This is what the people want. They want to know about old flavours of crisps. Tomato yes. sauce. Mm. Yep. And one that I, I fancy would have done well in this pub. Hedgehog flavoured. Hedgehog flavoured crisps. Yep. Yes. Now we're talking. <laughs> and there was quite a, a, an outcry about the hedgehog flavoured crisps. Well, how did anyone know what a hedgehog tasted like? Well, this These is, are, this this is, is a why thorny issue. <laughs> those, 
those protesters outside with their prickly boards mm -hmm. um, looking after the, the health and welfare of Br'er Hedgehog were wrong because there, there was not a sniff of hedgehog anywhere near the damn things. As indeed there is no sniff of cheese and onion or smoky bacon or barbecue beef or any of those things because it's all chemical, isn't it? Of course it is. It's an people infusion. People seriously think... People seriously got upset because they genuinely thought hedgehogs had been involved in the manufacture of hedgehog crisps. Of course. Oh, come on. Of course they did. I worked, I worked with a, a, a young lass who was um, to the forefront, shall we say, of the hedgehog freedom movement. Mm. Um, she went collecting. She, I think she, she <laughs> worked for Mrs. Mrs. Tiggy Winkle's Hedgehog right. Hospital. Yeah, uh, which is a real thing, um, uh, and she would go around the offices collecting and handing out small stickers of hedgehogs, and no one was allowed to make any kind of joke about okay. the hedgehog. Really, none whatsoever. Completely no, it, devoid it, of any kind of humour when it came to the hedgehog, because it was a serious business. And if you were to feel a little bit flat, yeah. um, or squashed, or whatever. She'd clout you around the head, verbally. She did not like the idea that the hedgehog could be uh, 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 an object of mirth. Mm. Didn't like well, that at all. She would have been out there campaigning against hedgehog-flavoured crisps. Well, I suppose all power to her and etc. Well done. Um, opal fruits. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh God! You mean to tell me that you didn't get interested in my story about Mrs. Tiggywinkle because you were looking up bloody opal fruits? <laughs> Picnic. Now we're talking. God. Bar six. Do you remember a bar six? Aztec. I'll see <laughs> your bar six and I'll raise you an Aztec bar. How? Uh, I'll see your Aztec bar and raise you a Texan. <laughs> I'll see your Texan and raise you a Milky Way. Oh snap! <laughs> oh no, that's a different game. Caramac. Mint crackling. <laughs> Did they have to ban mint crackling? Was it was it called mint crackling, mint crackle, something like that? It was, it was I chocolate. Don't remember that one? It was like shards of glass in oh. your mouth. They had to ban it because people every time people bit into it, they were cutting their mouths to ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> it was like sharp green shards of of glass encased in a glorious uh, chocolate confection. Wow, that does sound nice. Maybe they it should was bring that actually, back slightly softer. It was actually, but it, it was a bit detrimental to one's dental uh, yeah. needs. Toffos. Toffos. They'd have been detrimental to your den dentures. <laughs> uh, Toffos. Rolos. <laughs> Could we stop now, please? Please, God. I still, have, I still haven't found the, the classic one that always gets mentioned, so I'm going to have to keep searching. Oh, but I anyway. thought that was opal fruits. No, it wasn't opal fruits. It, it wasn't razzle. It was something like razzle. Twizzles. No, Twi no, Twizzles oh, is something uh, different. There was a there was a, a a puppet called Twizzle when I was a kid. It was and his his great claim to fame. A very um, what was the name of the, the lady who did? I can't remember. But but it's basically where Jerry Anderson got his first gig. Mm. Um. Uh, oh no, I can't. Spangles. Oh, Spangles. <laughs> Spangles. I knew oh, I'd get it, there. Was it? Spangles. You got there in the end. <laughs> Sorry. So, Jerry Anderson's first gig. 
Um, so he's the famous puppeteer, obviously, behind... Um, Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Stingray. Uh, yeah. Captain Scarlet, all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a lady whose name I can't remember now. It's awful, but she came up with um, very very children friendly uh, puppet series like Four Feather Falls, right? Where the sheriff of the town, Tex Tucker, mm-hmm. an American gentleman with an American Tex voice, Tucker. voiced by Nicholas Parsons, really? Yep, yeah. uh, with a singing voice provided by. Um, Oh gosh, what was his name? I want to say mm. Billy Holiday. But of course, it wasn't Billy Holiday. <laughs> Billy can't Idol. Can't remember. Can't remember. <laughs> he was like the he was the English Bing Crosby, and I can't remember his name. Uh, um, but anyway, uh, he had a talking dog and a talking horse, and two guns that operated without his hands going anywhere near them. But all of this only happened if he wore four magical feathers. In his Stetson. If he wasn't wearing his Stetson, none of the dog would bark, the horse would neigh, and his guns would have to be uh, taken out of the holster by his hands, which, Mm. of course, was impossible because he was a puppet. So, anyway, that's by the by. It was terrific. It was wonderful stuff. Um, uh, There was that. There was a thing called Torchy the Battery Boy, uh, which lived on an island where all the useless toys and the broken toys and the thrown out and discarded toys by little boys and girls who didn't want them anymore lived oh, and Torchy um, heartbreaking place that it sounds. was it was terrible yeah. uh, and there was an evil evil character in it called Pongo the pirate oh he was mm. a swine he was a swine of a man he really was uh, this is all aimed at the kind of four and five year olds Mike yeah, uh, and um, is this when and, things were genuinely scary for four and five year olds? Not do you know like what those now. puppets were bloody scary? Yeah, I mean they were. Uh, the, the puppet making has come on a long way since those days, um, but you know how dolls dolls' faces can mm. be really scary. Yeah, well imagine trying to paint features onto a, a tiny little wooden head. Well, you're you're not going to get much by way of comfort into that expression. No, you get a lot of kind of gothic gruesomeness, Mm. and And um, then the dystopia of a a toy graveyard as well. I mean, that's oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But she created that, and she created uh, um, uh, Sarah and Hoppity. I can't remember much about that. Uh, uh, Oh, this was uh, Sarah had a one-legged toy called Hoppity, right? Okay. What happened to the other Not leg? so sensitive times these days. <laughs> what happened to his other leg? Don't know. What was Hoppity originally? Oh, God knows. But he used to go, dilly dum, dilly dee, dilly dum. Oh, and right, my yeah. sister used to do that. And it drove me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't affected uh, me at I'm all. I'm assuming Hoppity wasn't a horse that had lost no, three he legs. No, it was like a little um, toy. Uh, I don't know, a little bear or something. I don't know what he was. But he used to go, dilly dum, dilly dee, dilly dum. And there was Twizzle. Twizzle, and right. Twizzle. I think Twizzle, Twizzle was a young boy who wore one of those um, uh, one of those hats, a bit like you know, uh, Willy Willy Winky, when he went to we- bed and ran through the town. Yeah. He used to wear like wee a bed winky. a bed hat, a wee Willy Winky hat like that, yeah. but it was striped and it went halfway down his back. Mm. I don't know the correct term for that. I'm I never really bothered with millinery, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but Twizzle's great claim to fame was 
that he could extend his arms mm-hmm. for feet. And he could, no, not for feet, but, you know, what? His, his arm would go out two or three feet either side. And his legs would go up as well, so he could twizzle his body. So if your ball, if your ball was kicked up onto the roof and it was trapped in the guttering, twizzle, twizzle, over here, son. And if he wasn't over playing with Sharon Hopperty, he'd come on over and he'd twizzle his legs and they'd crack as he went up. And then he'd twizzle his arms and they'd crack as they went and he'd grab the ball and bring Mm. it down and everyone would cheer. And that would be the end of the episode. They were simpler times. All created by the one person, did you say? Yes. You think? Um, yeah. what, you can't remember a name. Oh, I, I wish I could. I'm going to have to can, look that up now, aren't I? Can you remember what the hell she was on? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's she on about 40 grand a year. Um, <laughs> tw- yeah, um, which she spent on what? <laughs> to keep coming up with these crazy ideas. Because, you uh, know, you, these, and that's not actually a controversial suggestion when you think about the magic roundabout. Well, yes. Uh, let, let, before we move on to the magic roundabout, as we surely should, Roberta Lee. Roberta was Lee. Her okay. name. Um, the first episode of Twizzle was broadcast in 1957. Now, can Ooh. I just say, I wasn't born until 1958. Uh-huh. So they were still showing it several years later. So she was bang on with the royalties. I bet you used to love running downstairs in your knickerbockers. Didn't I ever? <laughs> oh, look, Twizzle's on, everyone. Twizzle's on. Quick, quick. Mama, Mama. <laughs> Mama, Mama can't come, though, because she's answering the door to the, the Blake delivering the uh, sweaty donuts. <laughs> <laughs> He's kept in his armpits or whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyway, Roberta Lee. If it hadn't been for Roberta Lee, I don't think there would have been any Jerry Anderson. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there would. Maybe there wouldn't. Mm. But, uh, but uh, remembering that Jerry Anderson always said, despite all the success of Stingray and Supercar and Fireball XL5 and uh, Thunderbirds, despite the success of all of those things, um, he, oh, he never wanted to make puppet shows. He always wanted to do live action stuff. And he did later on. But it wasn't mm. ever as successful as the, or as, as loved, shall we say? No. As those puppet shows, Thunderbirds but, in particular, was just fantastic. But he wasn't fond of them, or he just, no? I, th- he I think he... he felt that he was trapped in a in a genre that he didn't necessarily just want to be labelled as the man who makes puppet shows. You know, mm. he would go because he had a very good relationship with Lou Grade, right? Uh, who was the man who basically ran that part of ITV that, that funded all of uh, Jerry Anderson's uh, projects. Uh, and he'd go in and say, right, I've got this great idea for, and uh, Luke Gray'd say, is it a puppet show? And he'd say, yeah. yes. And he'd say, here's a million pounds. Right. And then he'd go in and say, I've got a great idea for, and he'd, Luke Gray would say, is it a puppet show? He'd say, no. Mm. And he'd say, well, then get stuffed and go and find some strings. Yeah. What was he like, Jerry Anderson? Was he the type that would have said... I just want to be taken seriously. And uh, flagged I, I, out I, I did talk to him once. Or... Well, just the once uh, we did an interview uh, on a, on uh, by which time he no longer owned the rights to anything that he had made. I always found that very sad. Mm. When people um, 
you know, were known for something, and then you you discover that well, yeah, that, you know, the, the rights have been sold on or or whatever. Especially in of that magnitude, he kind of changed the world in you know in his own small way, didn't he? It's in certainly in children's television, children's television and puppetry, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, and, re- and was responsible for. Um, Bringing on one of the great unsung composers of all time. Okay. Barry Gray. Barry Gray um, wrote all the music for all of those series. Mm. And an absolute genius. The Thunderbirds March. If you go to a, a passing out parade, if, 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 you know, if you have someone, a relative, uh, a friend, somebody in the RAF, you go passing out parade when, when these young officers, uh, you know, become men and go forth, finish their basic training, there will be an RAF band there. And you can bet your life they will be playing the Thunderbirds March. Wow. Just fantastic. Remind me. Give me a brief... Oh, right, the theme, yeah. Yes, the theme from Thunderbirds, yes. And they play that. It's great. And and Barry Gray was an absolute bloody genius. He was just perfect. I think that's the difference between... Because there had been puppet shows uh, for some time by the by the time that that um, uh, Supercar and Fireball XL Five, which were Jerry Anderson's first uh, delvings into the genre on his own, uh, came along, we, there was there was a a thing called Rubovia, mm. which is very peculiar, very. Strange puppet series, uh, and as I say, all the Roberta Lee things, which were for very small children, really. Hmm. Um, so no one had thought that that anything like that could um, could capture the zeitgeist in the way that Stingray and Su- oh, I loved Stingray uh, and Supercar did, um, and Barry Gray, as I say, he he was there at the forefront of the music, and and it was he was he, you, know, I, you know there were lots of different there was more sophistication in the. In the um, in the later things, but uh, Roberta Lee it didn't have any Barry Gray music. It, it, if Twizzle had had the Thunderbirds March, I'm sure that we would all remember, remember Twizzle. <laughs> We're still talking about yeah, it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, now listen. What? I don't want to worry anybody, but but uh, they've discovered, as if we didn't have enough things to be concerning us. They have uh, rediscovered poisonous birds. They're back, I'm afraid. Are we talking avian flu? No, no, no. As in literally poisonous with, um, you know, uh, neurotoxins in their their feathers. Good Lord. uh, What do you mean they're back? I didn't know about the poisonous birds to start with. Well, I mean, when I say they're back, I suppose that comes from me always assuming that there must have been poisonous birds have long died out um, and become extinct but they've been on an expedition this is the problem isn't it they go on expeditions to places like new guinea's rainforests and the next thing you know they're reporting on poisonous birds so um they're they they've they found two of them and they're not in fairness uh, not necessarily uh, deadly poisonous unless you're unfortunate enough to have a specific reaction to the neurotoxins but um if you grabbed hold of one and then accidentally, you know, had an itchy eye and gave it a rub. It'd be similar to the sort of um, pain and uh, irritation you get after chopping a chilli. 
um, for example. So Ooh. not pleasant. Um, the uh, the first one is called the the Pachi Kepala Schlegeli Lily Lily. Uh, it's called the Regent Whistler. Luckily, it's got another name. That's good. And um, the second one is called the Aladreas Ruffy Nuka. Uh, that's the Rufus Naped Bellbird. Um, and what they think is happening is um, they are eating things that have these poisons in um, the Batracotoxin, which is, uh, as you'll know, from the Greek for frog. Oh yes, and, yes, yes, yeah. Um, said that in the first place. It was named after you know the poison dart frogs, right? We all know about those from our uh, uh, natural history lessons at school, where uh, they take the tip of an arrow, yes, and stroke it down the back of a frog, uh, which is not a euphemism, and then um, then uh, fire the arrow at the intended target. <coughs> it should drop dead immediately. Um, so the um, the birds get the toxin through eating the toxic food. And then they turn it into poison, and they think it's what they've done is you know this is there's always a gap, isn't there between they think what has happened is that they started eating the toxic food, um, and then it didn't kill them, and then eventually they realised it was poisonous to uh, things that might predate on them, and so they um, you know encouraged the production of the toxin within their bodies as if like that was a sort of conscious decision that was made. And there's a gap, isn't there, between uh, a bird one day realising <laughs> that this toxin uh, was very useful to their species and then the rest of the species <laughs> developing the toxins <laughs> to a, an amount that was useful enough to keep them alive. This is down um, to the great god evolution. Yes, that's what it is, evolution, yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I didn't, as I say, didn't want to worry anyone, but if you are planning your next holiday um, and you're thinking uh, New Guinea might be the place to go, then um, make sure you take precautions. As in, don't pick up any birds. Naturally would stay out of the jungles. I don't know why. I am a bit risk averse. Mm. Um, there's a lovely story about the two snakes. Uh, the, the small baby snake who goes up to mummy snake. And he says, Mum, are we one of those snakes that coils around people and constricts and tight like that? Or are we a poisonous snake? Mm. And his mother said, "Well, actually, we're we're, we're a constrictor. Why do you ask?" He said, "I just bit me lip." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd be worried, though, wouldn't you, if you were a baby snake you and you didn't would. know? You wouldn't know, would you? How would you know? You wouldn't know, and you'd be uh, thinking, unless you constricted oh. something. They, they don't open a book and learn how to do all these things. They just do them naturally because this yeah. is the natural world. David Attenborough has explained all this to us over and over and over again, and it never gets boring. What well, not with him in the? This, they had it. I remember when I was at the BBC Television years ago, um, that they were casting around. This is going back twenty odd years. They were casting around then for the person who would be the new voice of Oof. BBC natural history films. Well, just in case. Well, no, because they thought that, that uh, David Attenborough was then coming up to 70. He probably wouldn't want to keep going for too much longer. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and if he did keep going, well, you know, a man in his 70s, mm. you know, insurance policy. So Andrew Sachs, Manuel, oh, I know really? not, I think, from um, Faulty Towers, he did so. Mm. Um, 
Who else? Hey, Bill Patterson, you, I think, did some as well. The Scottish actor, lovely voice. All sorts now, because um, you have like entire channels dedicated to uh, nature documentaries, don't yeah. you? And there's a, a wide cast of people that have um, voiced And sometimes it works beautifully. And uh, I, I think, for me, if I'm conscious that it's not David Attenborough, Mm. Uh, and in some way the voice grates. Uh, yeah. Or or it's not written very well, which sometimes is the case. Yeah, um, it's full of cliches. And yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Or it kind of feels a bit dumbed down and, you know, yeah. for a certain And market. I suppose the problem is, in that game, you're he's the standard against which everyone else is judged. Yeah, right? and always will be. And, yeah. you know, he's pretty much impeccable when it comes to doing that but you not, know 20 not, years ago we were thinking or, or the, no, I, I wasn't involved in it at all no part of the natural history unit um, but you know the word was that um, Attenborough's on his way out we better find the new voice mm. I could have done it I could have done it I do them all you know I do Daffy Duck yeah. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I ever heard <laughs> see I see I could have done that imagine an hour of that commenting on the uh, African here plays. comes Oh my god. Here comes the wildebeest. I mean, frankly, five seconds is plenty. <laughs> what do you call a dog magician? I don't know. What do you call a dog magician? A labracadabrador. Oh my god. Oh my god. We've strayed into dad jokes, haven't we? A labracadabrador. I mean, apart from anything else, that's just fun that's, to say. That is good. Uh, I, I'll give you that. Listen, I found something in the paper the other day. This was a, a quote. Uh, and, and I hope, I hope this is true, mm. that this is a true quote um, from a historical book full of okay. historical things. History. And I shall read it to you. Mm -hmm. This is about Casanova. You'll have heard of him. You the based lover. most of your early moves on him, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh... Casanova, the greatest adventurer and lover of his time, <laughs> ended his life as a librarian. Well, I think we all knew that, didn't we? Mm. From 1785 to 1798, he lived in Bohemia, semi-retired, working as a librarian for Count von Waldenstein. Or oh, Waldenstein. Not a public librarian, like in a private library then? He was, oh yes, he was in a Chateaux. Oh. Uh, the Count von Va Waldenstein Steen, in the Chateau de Deux. The Chateau de Deux. But this is the bit. He oh. died quietly on the job. Uh, hold on. In the library or the toilet? No, it's not that. It's the fact that it's bloody Casanova who died on the job. Oh, dear God. I see. Yeah. <sighs> he died quietly on the job. He died quietly on the job, did you say? He died quietly on the job. I think, I think, the, I think what's put me off the scent there of that otherwise hilarious gag was the word quietly. Not well. Anyway. It don't this'll all come out. Oh, because anyway. he's in a library. <laughs> this'll all this'll all come out anyway. Can I can I interest you in um That is not coming out of me from that in <laughs> Can I interest you in the Moravian brothers? If my Labrador joke stays in then so does your Casanova well, story. Well your Labrador joke should stay in. The Moravian brothers. You know nothing about the Moravian brothers, do you? No, never heard of them. Right. Well um once upon a time, a long, long time ago, 
there was this bunch of fellows called the Moravian Brothers, an evangelical Christian sect that originated in 15th century Bohemia. We're in Bohemia again. Okay. They believed in non-violence and mm. had a great abhorrence of bloodshed. Right. Members of this community, however, were at times unavoidably called on to execute serious offenders. Oh, no. So what did they do then, this non-violent sect? Yeah, for a non-violent sect, that's a particularly unsuitable line of work, isn't it? it? it, it executioner to a non-violent sect. Mm. Why, why were they chosen to be the executioners? Well, no, no, the, the, the thing is that this sect, the Moravian Brothers, uh, obviously encountered people whose, whose crimes were so heinous that they had to be done away with. Right. They had to be put to the sword, except they didn't have any swords. My question to you is, what do you think they did? In terms of how they actually uh, actually executed people. Yes. Now, remember, this is 15th century Bohemia. Yep. And as you know, (laughs) in 15th century Bohemia, things were different. Uh, they don't like bloodshed. They don't like uh, any any sort kind of, of violence. They abhor violence. We abhor violence, and but they've still got to do away with these people that have done done their dwells terrible things. Did they bore them to death? Well, you know, I don't suppose you're a million miles away. Mm. They tickled they... them to death. <laughs> That's well. It's as true as this book in front of me says the merciful way that they found was to tickle their victims to death wow are you particularly ticklish i'm quite ticklish yeah i think it would wear off after a while before i died anyway well you know i can remember as a kid laughing you know being tickled as a child Mm. and you laugh and laugh and laugh and sometimes you get completely exhausted don't you yeah if somebody keeps it fair well if 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 you had that, um, because not everybody is ticklish, but if you were ticklish, I don't know what they did, whether it was fingers or feathers or what it was, mm. but if if you reached such a point of complete tickled exhaustion that you couldn't breathe anymore... Yeah. I see, I'm not sure that's merciful. I, I think, think it's... Uh, downright bloody disgraceful yeah i think a swift end would be much better wouldn't it just get it over and done with rather than being poked and prodded and tickled and i mean that would just get incredibly annoying after a while wouldn't it well that's the thing that's the thing about being tickled isn't it at first at first you go (laughs) oh get off get off stop 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 yeah and then when somebody just look now i come now i'm telling you now that i get off get i'm Mm. saying get and people get quite angry, don't they? Yeah, they do. So maybe it's the rage that killed these ah. people in the end. Uh, no, I would have preferred a sharp edge of a sword. And Tickle a rage. Block. Yeah, well, you didn't live in 15th century Bohemia, uh, as we all know. Mm, I live in my own version in the 21st century. Is that what we're in? I've lost count. Lost count now. We're back yeah. to 21st century television <laughs> and Jerry Anderson. Uh, right, I'm looking at my watch now, and uh, I think it's time that I clear off. 
I was going to say, I just got a, a whiff of vinegar, which reminded me it's time for you to go and get go your and chips. Go and get the chips. Time for me to get the chips. I will, um, I will see you next time. All right. See you then. Take All right, care. Then. Trigger! Here, boy. <laughs> That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. Find the fellas on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or send them an email. It's thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Most importantly, spread the word. Tell your friends and enemies, colleagues and family about this amazing podcast you've been listening to. We'll love you forever. Forever.